good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot, Jeff Harding. Jeff, how are you doing today? I am doing holly and jolly. Holly and jolly. I appreciate the holliness and the jolliness of your response. Well, thank you, Kyle. It's just, it's just this time of year and, you know, Christmas is just around the corner. It, it's that time of year and it's it's a great time of year, right? And how are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing awesome. Thank you. Thanks for asking. So, Jeff, we talk a lot about the active life on this radio show. Well, that's where it gets the name, the active life. So well, exactly, right? Yeah. It's, it's actually the name of the show. But it would stand to reason that in order to live the active life, We've got to be active, right? Well, I would think you're right there, Kyle. I think that in order to have active life, you have to be active as part of it. Let me just step back and point out things that are just blatantly obvious to everybody, right? Well, you are being kind of Captain Obvious, but that's okay. This time of year, everybody is, so okay. it's okay. Okay. Well, today I want to talk about a handful of essential exercises that are just really, really good for people over 50. Great. And they're exercises, and so it's part of the active life. Right. Well, right? yes, exercise is active. <laughs> Here's the first one. I'm just going to give you a a warning in all fairness. You're not going to like the first one. It must involve stretching. Yeah. You're you're not going to like the first one, but but it's a good one. Well, that's okay. I mean, (laughs) just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. So the first exercise that they recommend for people over 50 is yoga. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like that one. Well, I, again, I, my, my daughter's tried to get me to do it, and I keep saying I don't bend like that. <laughs> well, saying you should. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? We, we right. both probably should uh, bend a little different than we do. But right. they say, they say at least, I don't know who they are, but they say that as an all-around great exercise, it's hard to beat yoga. Well, I've heard that. I yeah. Really have. It's, it's low impact. It can be done by people at all skill levels. And I think, Jeff, for me, maybe that's my problem. I see... The, the photos of people who are twisted into all kinds of different doing weird things contortions and shapes yes. and I think I could never do that but maybe I need to recognize that they're at the highest level and I would be starting at the lowest level well, whether but I can there's or, a level for me whether or not I can or can't I don't they think I want to do some of those positions. <laughs> maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> some of those yoga poses, yes. But doing yoga regularly does increase flexibility, obviously, and increases strength as well as balance. It's good for the joints, but it's still weight-bearing, which is a guard against osteoporosis. Right. It's easy to find yoga classes pretty much anywhere. Lots of senior centers, community centers, gyms offer yoga classes as well as dedicated yoga studios. So it's a it's a good exercise for people in their 50s and above. And ver- and readily, avail- readily available, as you mentioned. Absolutely. The next one is walking, one that maybe you like a little bit better than I yoga. I love to walk. Yeah, you get Always out and walk have. all the time. I know yeah. that. And, and it's good for you. Everyone knows how to do it. It requires no special equipment or other than just some safe and comfortable shoes. Taking a brisk walk 30 minutes a day meets the health guidelines, and has really just innumerable benefits, tons of benefits, such as maintaining muscle mass, joint support, stopping the loss of bone mass, and increasing mental sharpness as well. Plus, as you said, Jeff, it's fun. It just feels good to get outside and to do a little bit of walking, and it's heart healthy. It's just good for you. Good stuff for sure. The next one, core training. Okay, that's that's getting inside of things. (laughs) Now now we're getting serious here, huh? Yes, we are. The torso or the core, Jeff, holds up the spine. So strength in the core is vital for any kind of movement, really, for spinal health, for coordination and stability as well. 
There are plenty of exercises that you can do that can strengthen the core. Uh, you know, everyone automatically thinks of sit-ups and crunches, and, and there's some research out there that says that maybe that's not the best way to go because of potential back injuries and things like that. Right. But there's a lot of things that you can do just using a, a regular old kitchen chair, so they're convenient and can be done at any time. If you did a simple YouTube search for core exercises, and if you just wanted to throw in using a chair, I think you would find hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of options, and your core really is the foundation of everything that you do. So it really is important. really important that we t- spend attention, spend time and attention on the, on the core. Absolutely. The next kind of exercise that they recommend for people over 50 is Pilates. Are you familiar with Pilates? I've, I've heard the name. I kind of have a basic idea of what it is, but outside yeah. of that, I have no idea. Well, and, and I've never done Pilates myself, but basically it's, it's kind of similar to yoga because it's low impact and it concentrates on the control and the centering of the body. But Pilates really focuses more on strengthening, particularly your abdominal muscles, Mm -hmm. so that you can improve your balance and your posture. It is also weight-bearing, so it's good for osteoporosis prevention. In a fitness center or in a dedicated studio, Pilates might be uh, available, but you can also find it on specialized – excuse me, sometimes you need to have – uh, specialized equipment, but there's also options that you can do without specialized equipment. So you could do it at home with a DVD or again, a YouTube video, and you can use your body weight as resistance. So there you go. If you go to the studio, they're going to have the, the special stuff the there. Equipment there. But if you don't have access to that, you can still reap some of the benefits at home. Sure. And then the last one that I'm going to talk about today that they really recommend for uh, people over 50 is swimming. Well, I like that one too. Yeah, so people, uh, particularly seniors who have access to a pool, whether it's at home or at a fitness center, they really do have a good because swimming is a great exercise. It's aerobic, so it contributes to your heart health, and having water buoy your body makes it uh, less Super low impact. Yeah, less hard on your joints for sure than other traditional cardiovascular workouts might be. And some studies have shown that swimming is. Good prevention for falls because it builds core and leg muscles and it also promotes stability. So Very good. several things that people yes. over 50 or even at any age, really, let's be honest, people at any age could benefit from any of those sure. exercises. So just some things to think about as we're moving into the new year, as we're rounding out the holiday season and we're planning for uh, resolutions. Just a few things to keep in your back pocket of things that right. you might want to look at. Right. Today's guest, Jeff, is Catherine Utschneider, who is a personal coach and author. She's also a professional speaker. She received her bachelor's degree from Middlebury College in English. She then went on to get her MBA and her doctorate from Boston University. She has coached, listen to this, Jeff, this is pretty impressive. Okay. She has coached eight Olympics trial marathon qualifiers. Wow. Six age group record holders, 10 Uh American age group record holders. And 67 USA Track and Field age group champions. And somewhere in the middle of all of that, she's also found time to be a pretty incredibly successful master's athlete on her own, earning a myriad of accolades and medals over the past 20 years. Catherine, welcome to the show. We're glad that you could join us. Thank you, Kyle and Jeff. Well, I guess, I guess we say welcome back. Your back and forth. Yeah, I was, I was, and I, and I was going to mention that Catherine has actually uh, been on our show just a, a few weeks ago, and we're glad to have you back and learn some more from you, particularly about how to set as well as how to not set goals, which I think is appropriate for this time of year, right? It's very appropriate, and just listening to your earlier comments about swimming. 
uh, I'm going to couch some of my comments uh, and relate them to swimming. It is an excellent exercise for people over 50, as you said. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it. So again, t- coming, coming up on the end of the year, and this is the time when we're all at least thinking about our New Year's resolutions. We definitely are interested in learning how to set and and adversely how to not set goals. So, so what do we do? How do we go about it? How do we set the goals that we're going to actually be able to keep? Well, million dollar question, and I've got the million dollar answer. Okay, we're well, planning on that. All right, I've got a, I've got a few points. First. Uh, value experimentation is the first step to setting a goal. And what I mean by that is people feel so much pressure when they think of setting a goal because they all, everyone knows that we should write our goals down and we should, but people feel so much pressure. And the way I can tell you support that is that when I meet with people for the first time, They'll, they say, I've been thinking about coming to see you or calling you for a year to five years. Yeah. Wow. Or three months. And that, that, and I say, why? And they say, I just felt I almost had to achieve my goal before I came to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hear that, right? Like, aren't there people out there who hire a maid and then run through their house and clean the entire house before the maid shows yeah. up? You're talking to someone who does that. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband always says, why are you cleaning today? Well, because the maid's coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, and here we are laughing, which is really important because along with valuing experimentation, and what I mean by that is just I know, you know, everyone says, oh, I want to do a marathon or I want to, you know, swim a mile or I want to win this tor- tennis tournament, whatever it is. It all starts with a little step, and it's really important to not take ourselves too seriously while we value experimentation. Say, all right, let's just take a first step, because that first step is a huge one. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. It really is, yes. And and I really like that concept of, of as you said, valuing the process of experimentation. And, and I'll be honest, with, for me personally, when yeah. I set goals um, – I don't value the experimentation. I value the success, you know? And so just like what you said, I, I, I have a tendency to either not branch out and not have those great experiences that I could have had if I was willing to put myself out there a little bit more. And instead, sometimes I focus in on the things that I, I know that I'm, I'm already capable of, whether I enjoy them or not. Um, but I would focus in on, on the things that, I'm familiar with and that I've already done. So I love that idea of opening your mind and opening your heart to something different and just valuing that process of experimenting and finding things that do work and discarding the things that don't work. That, that's another weakness that I, I think I have from a goal setting standpoint is I don't, I don't want to quit. You know, I don't want to quote unquote be a quitter. And, and so when I start something, I, I just have a tendency to just run through it, even if I'm not enjoying it or whatever. Uh, I one time picked up the book Antiquities of the Jews, which is what, uh-huh. like 2,800 pages long or something like that. And I kept on reading it. You know, I read it all the way through to the end because I didn't want to quit. And, uh, and you know, at any point I could have and maybe should have set that book down and moved on to something else that, that was more in line with, with what I was trying to do. But I, I love that concept again. I love that idea of valuing the experimentation process. 
Right. And you're just leading into a second main point, which is just as you should value experimentation and have a sense of humor and you know, just say, this is important, but something that's small and, ex- and an experiment can be important and having a sense of humor about it can be important. The other, the second main point is to be flexible with your goals so that you can, you know, find the strategies that work best for you because things will not go according to how you think they'll go. They just never do. They rarely do, right? They rarely do. They really do. It's interesting because my high-performance class uh, at Boston College, just 25 of them or so, just finished setting a first nine-week goal. You would think that Division One college coaches and captains of teams and former athletes who are in the business of sports, all of them would know how to set athletic goals. Well, they don't. Wow. And, and they found that having a class which requires them to write down and value even the smallest goal and then experiment with different strategies to achieve it was so valuable because they learned they had to stick with it for their grade. Right, right. But, <laughs> there was an incentive there. There, there was an incentive there. But they, they realized that they very, very few of them anticipated the strategies that they ultimately used. That is, if someone said that they were going to go to a yoga class, as many of listeners, the listeners here, may be thinking about right now, um, instead of saying, uh, so I'm going to go to a yoga class two or three times a week, uh, a student would say, no, I'm going to go once a week, that's a start, and then twice a week, to your point about stretching, I'm going to stretch, and one day I'm going to stretch just with traditional exercises that I happen to have and a book for another sport, hockey or football or tennis or swimming, whatever. But then I'm also going to do a day of stretching, which will help yoga, with uh, with bands uh, or uh, or some Pilates. So, in other words, but you have to stick with that to how to set goals is to say, number one, I'm going to do it for short term for just four to 12 weeks and really four weeks, just take a very short amount of time. So I'm going to do, take an experiment. I'm going to, you know, say try yoga for just four weeks and I'm only going to do it once a week. So you don't want to do something, set it too high because even once a week is huge. It's something new that you're incorporating into your already fairly busy schedule perhaps. And then supplement that with, or experiment with supplementing that with other ways that will help you stretch. Does that make sense? It does make sense, absolutely. So you start with the kind of the shorter-term goals with a, a longer-term vision in place, knowing that it takes small steps to get to the ultimate place, which uh, in the stretching analogy for either Jeff and I might be to reach our knees. Yes. <laughs> yeah. or, or mid-calf anyway. <laughs> Or, or your waist. Or your waist. <laughs> <laughs> or your waist. Or your waist. Yeah, and then 
Exactly. So, so let's say, you know, you set a four-week goal, which is the way to do it. You want to set something short-term, you experiment, you're going to be light about it, but you're going to write it down, and it will help for you to be buddies together. Jeff and Kyle, there you go. You can be buddies. <laughs> you, having someone keep you accountable is critical and be able to laugh about it. And then... Well, watching me stretch would certainly make somebody laugh. <laughs> Same Do here. I see you scr- can I hear you stretching now? Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> but but you have a built-in buddy system. And having a built-in partner who's going to keep you accountable and someone who they may not have the same goal as you, but you do, you do need to have someone else who's committed. It's more important to have a partner in setting a short-term goal and setting short-term goals thereafter who cares about your sticking with the commitment of you can change it, but you want to want to at least speak with or email better to speak with your partner once a week at the same time every week and then evaluate at the end of four weeks. Hey, Kyle, Hey Jeff, what did I do that I liked what worked and what didn't work? That, that accountability is really so, so uh, important in the concept of having success, that the, the ability to count on, on that checking in and that accountability aspect, uh, you know, if, I think it's crucial if you're going to actually have success with that goal. You're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, and we're visiting with Dr. Catherine Utschneider, and we're talking about how to set goals so that we can all have success this new year with setting the goals that we'd like to set. And, um, you know, we've talked about experimentation and then doing the, the, the increments, starting with short-term goals with a long-term vision. Um, what else have you got for us that can help us set goals that we're actually going to be able to stick to? Well, I've got the converse or the reverse of that question, which is how not to set goals. Okay, let's talk about and that. Picking, well, because it, it is, it, it, it helps us refine who we're going to find for our partner, yeah. our person to check in with. And that is that I have a, a client who's tennis, a tennis player, and uh, he was telling me uh, about a month or two ago, he said, you know, because I was talking about this, this topic, we were talking about it, and he said, the one thing I learned is pick a partner who's committed also because it, it's not – and he was setting a goal to play doubles in tennis. And he had a friend who he, he's a very good friend of his, but he, this was going to be his partner. His partner, we'll give him a name of Brian. Brian thought he wanted to commit to being a doubles partner with my client, John, but he didn't end up able to commit to that. And John said, realize it's more important to have a partner in your goal-setting process who might not even be setting a physical goal, but who can meet with you once a week and be committed. So you don't necessarily have to be doing the same thing, but you just have that accountability that you can check in with somebody. Exactly. It's really important that you find someone else who's equally committed to the importance of just commitment in general. He found... Uh, a woman next door who is his neighbor 
who's very who's elderly and is not athletic at all, but she was going to set a goal of calling her family and speaking with her family yeah. uh, more often than she had been. And so it's 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 really the the key piece is find someone who's committed to the process first and foremost. Then, if they're also doing a physical goal, that's fine. But it's the commitment to the process that's essential. And we all know people who are more committed and able to meet weekly appointments on time than others. Right. So that that's the piece uh, that's important. And then a second piece that helps you set and achieve short-term successive goals is to about track and evaluate your progress honestly every week. The honestly is really the important part, isn't it? Honestly. (laughs) It is. How does that how does that strike you or what what does that make you think of? Well well I I like that concept really on both sides of the equation because I think sometimes when we're trying to set our goals, maybe we are too easy on ourselves and we don't push ourselves as much as we could because we we come up with excuses. But I also think that sometimes we're too hard on ourselves and we're actually making progress and we treat ourselves like we're not. So to honestly evaluate your progress and where you're at, I think is crucial. It is, it is absolutely crucial. And uh, again, the, I, I want to reiterate that's important. And I want to tell you a story as is keeping records. Today, I saw uh, a triathlete, swimmer, and runner. Uh, her name is Katie Doucette. She's actually a, a coach in, in the business world, in the nonprofit business world. And she was at the swimming pool, and she may go to the Huntsman Games one day. And I hope she will. And her, I, I think it's very possible. And she, along with many of her uh, training friends, but she made this point, and it, it's a point both about uh, being accountable to a coach, but also being accountable to others and, and to writing things down. I asked her to uh, swim. She swam a 100, which is uh, two laps, four lengths of the swimming pool. Right. And she's been you know, going to the pool sometimes once, sometimes twice sometimes three times a week, but also doing other training, biking and jogging and so forth, and strength training. And I she, I timed her two months ago, uh, October 18th to be exact, and I said to her, um, you know, today we're going to time you again. It's two months later. And so I asked her to guess, she swam, and I asked her to guess what her 100 time was well she said about 20 seconds slower than it actually was so on october 18th she swam a 100 in 238 which those listeners who are not swimmers might not relate to but they will relate to this improvement and this general point so i said katie how do you what do you think your time was today two months later from october 18th to december 13th yeah she said, oh, 234. That would be four seconds faster. Hmm. I said, no, you did better than that, quite a bit better. You swam it in 214. So she went from 238 to 214. 
And here was her thought. She said, I had no idea yeah. I had improved that much. And she said, you know, Kathy, she said, our brains don't give us an accurate feedback loop. Our own self-awareness can be wildly inaccurate. That, we said together, why we write down our results. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Kathy, I, I loved what you shared with us today. I can't believe it, but our time is already gone. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back on the show in a, in a couple of weeks, and we're going to continue this conversation about goal setting and how to be successful with the goals that we set. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kathy. Great to be with you and your listeners. Happy holidays. Thank you. So, Jeff, New Year's is just around the corner, as you well know. Yes, just, it is. Just literally a few days away. And um, one of the things that we want to do is encourage people to mark their calendars for some important upcoming dates so that you can plan and set a goal to be a part of the Huntsman World Senior Games. January 1st is when team registration opens for the Huntsman World Senior Games. And March 1st is when athlete registration opens. And you can find information on both of those registration processes at SeniorGames.net. The dates of the games will be October 7th through the 19th which seems like it's a ways off, but it is not. It's right here. You can tune in to this show every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 or find our podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. Jeff, our inspirational quote for the day, the fruit of your own hard work is the sweetest. That's right. Until next Thursday, stay active. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.